Welcome back, everybody, to the Going Distance Podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Before we get into the socials, uh, we got to talk about Chris Bassett, just hit by a comebacker. Uh, no no uh, numbers for episode 49 today. It's the Chris Bassett episode. Yeah, it was, uh, it was weird because we, uh, we're doing this on Zoom again. Brett's here. Uh, it's awesome to have him back. Uh, but we were getting ready for the episode. And I mean, everything was fine, obviously. And we, uh, I go to tell parents or whatever to not come in my room and interrupt. And by the time that I come back, I see Bassett with the towel on his face and, uh, just curious what happened. So I come back and he, he had a comebacker to what looks like right above his right eye. Uh, we have no clue what the like actual legitimate like medical damages. We just know that it happened. And he's on his way to the hospital. So uh, there's probably going to be more news out when this episode goes up. But uh, as right now, we don't know much. Yeah. You know, uh, and of course, this is bigger than baseball. All we care about right now is that he uh, is all right. Yeah. You know, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but obviously, we're all praying for him for uh not only is are we A's fans and we like how he pitches, but he's also a very, very likable person and character is clubhouse and by the A's fan base. Yeah. Uh, so there is that. But with that being said, let's get on to some better notes and start yeah. with the opener. Uh, my opener is going to be Matt Chapman and how he's been playing over the last uh, week. He's been playing like his old self. I mean, he made probably the greatest play that I've ever seen somebody make with his catch on Friday night where he like Willie Mays dove backwards and somehow caught a baseball. And he's also been hidden really, really well. Uh, went nine for 19 over the last seven days, uh, four home runs and he's been raking. So him starting to be back is, is a very good sign uh, for his fans. Yeah, for me, it's going to be the Jets and Giants preseason week one game. Giants got the win. I'm not going to get too far into it. We're going to do full team reports, all three of us, Jets, Raiders, Niners, at the start of halftime. But it's just great to see, you know, we finally get to celebrate a win for the first time in forever. We won a couple of games last year, but they weren't celebrated heavily. Uh, it is preseason. So yeah. mm-hmm. Hey, a win's really a win, pre- Kyle. Come on. Come on. It's the Jets. Eh, okay. Yeah, I'm the same like the oppressive Skyler. I'm just happy to see football back. So for me, it's going to be Trey Lance making his professional debut, but not just Trey Lance, being able to see all the other rookie quarterbacks, Lawrence, Wilson, all the other guys drafted. It was it's very exciting, bright future for the league. It's great to have you back, Brett. Thank you. It's good to be back. All right, so let's get to where's your head at. And one of the headlines that happened this week was Joey Votto reaching 2,000 hits. Obviously, that's a big thing that, like a big milestone that is needed for the Hall of Fame, it seems like, in the MLB. Votto's had a whole bunch of accolades this year. He got to 1,000 RBIs early this season, as well as 300 home runs in the beginning part of the season. He's had a great year in 284, 377 OBP. As always, Joey Votto's has those skyrocket OBPs, 26 home runs, 76 RBIs. But let's look at that whole career. Yeah. I mean, he has an MVP. He's a gold glove winner and he's a six time all-star is Joey Votto and I will be hall of famer. 
I'm going to give you the case for Joey Votto right now. Uh, his stats are very comparable to Todd Helton from the Rockies. Uh, everything is really close except for Helton played a couple more years. Uh, he has 500 more hits, uh, which I think is possible for Votto if he plays three more years. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, but also, Todd Helton gets knocked by the voters for Coors Field. But the thing is, right now, Joey Votto has 45% of the vote, and he's on his third year only. And what we've been seeing with the vote is that fourth year is the year for some of these. Uh, I'll say it's the make or break year. Uh, Scott Rowland in his fourth year jumped up crazily. I think uh, by year six, Todd Helton gets into the Hall of Fame. And that's great for Joey Votto because it's a, a very similar player statistically. And, you know, there's more voters uh, joining the committee every year who follow Saber metrics and appreciate mm -hmm. those stats. So I think there's a shot. Uh, yeah, just, just a few minutes ago, I was actually saying, well, I think he probably should be, I don't think he will, mm. but the more I think about it, the better chance he has, in my opinion. And a big reason is because how good he is with the media. Obviously the media is the determining factor, yeah. obviously mm -hmm. who gets in, it's their vote. Uh, Joey Votto has always been a very likable guy on and off. He has a good personality. Uh, he plays a small, smaller market team. But he's he's been loyal to that team throughout his whole career, um, and like Scott said, sabermetrics, all these other stats. He's he looks like he can play definitely a few more years. I think it's going to be really close in the end. And I, if I had to guess right now, it'd still be a no. It's going to depend on the next couple of years of his career if he can you know keep hitting at a solid clip. I believe he's hitting like two eighty this year. Yeah, mm -hmm. if he can get to around those Todd Helton numbers, maybe 500, 400 more hits. I think he has a very good argument, and I think it's going to be a very close call. But as of right now, I'd probably say no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think Joey Votto should be and will be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. I think he will probably get to 400 home runs if he plays to if he plays two more years. I think he should get there. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a guy. I mean, if he's playing in Cincinnati and with how their stadium is, and if he plays all the games and he continues playing how he is this year, I think he should get there or be right there next to it. Uh, like 200 or like uh, 2,300 hits, I think, is reasonable for him. Uh, obviously, he's got the great slash line, 300, 400, 500, uh, as far as batting average, OBP, and slugging throughout his career. He has uh, the MVP to go for it, six-time All-Star, and if he keeps playing well, maybe he could see seven, maybe eight. Uh, I mean, and then also I got to look at career war for this. This is like a war is like a very big thing that they use for the hall yeah. of fame as far as, mm -hmm. uh, who's in there guys that are below him in war that have made the hall of fame. These are position players. I'm not going to say, uh, p like, uh, relievers and stuff like that. Cause Dennis Eckersley is one of these guys that is right there. Uh, but Harmon Killebrew, uh, Ichiro he, Suzuki, who isn't in yet, ahead. but he will be in, uh, Vladimir yeah. Guerrero, Mike Piazza, I mean, and Piazza was a catcher, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. But uh, Willie Stargell, uh, and a lot of those guys. But, I mean, yeah, I, th I think that war is obviously just going to go up. And if he gets like that 68, 69, 70 spot for the war, I think he'll definitely get it for sure. All right. You know, baseball reference, sorry to cut you off. I just okay, There's okay. one thing I forgot. Baseball reference has a – it's called batting jaws. It's like mm -hmm. a Hall of Fame monitor. He's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, three, four points away from like getting in that zone, which would be another two seasons, you know? So yeah. I think we're, most of us are on the same page here. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think before. if he continues to hit at the clip he has this year, even like a little bit below, he probably will get there. Mm-hmm. So I mean in the end, I think he probably will be, but as of right now, I'd say no. Okay. Sorry, Kyle. <laughs> also, another thing that we need to look at with Vado is his walks. I yeah. forgot to mention that as well. Like we obviously his OBP is good, but this man has twelve hundred walks in his career and he's probably gonna get to fourteen hundred if he keeps playing. I don't have like the leaderboards up right now as far as like the most walks, yeah. but I'm sure that he's probably right there, probably in the top 100 of all time. Cause I don't know how much they're walking in the early 1900s. All right. <laughs> That's true. Let's move on to the NL East. All I had for this was weekly NL East talk because it seems like it's changing every single week. Two weeks ago, the Mets were the number one team in the division uh, with Atlanta quite a far distance behind them and Philly being three, four games behind them. Last week, Philly was the number one spot after a big sweep over the Mets. Atlanta was still a couple games back. And now we enter today where Atlanta is actually winning the division. Uh, Behind them is Philadelphia, one and a half games back. And then the Mets, three and a half games back. I mean, I I don't even know what to say. Like, what is going on with this division? Is Atlanta a team that could legitimately take down a team like the Giants or the Braves or someone? or not the Braves, uh, like the Padres, the Dodgers, who knows? I mean, they'd probably play the the Brewers if they were to get in because mm. that'd be this those uh that matchup. What do you guys what what do you guys take on that? So uh if you guys have been listening the past couple of weeks, pretty much the past month, I've been liking the Mets and Philly. Uh right now I think the Mets are screwed. I know they have guys coming back, but <laughs> It's they're playing so bad right now. Yeah. Uh, you all know, I'm sure at least the three of, you know, I like Philly Harper's having an MVP type year. The rotation's deadly, but Atlanta's got a little big three of their own right now. Freeman, Dansby Swanson, Albies with crazy starts to the second half. Uh, Riley. Thank you. Austin Riley. Um, but compared to other teams going for playoff spots, I don't see it. You know, I don't see an at least team making a run here. Mm-hmm. My takes here are pretty much just in division. I think the Mets are out of the race, even for a wild card spot. They're, they got to win the division. They're, they're way too far out in the race. Uh, so, yeah. Let's <laughs> uh, take consistent with where I was at the beginning of the year. I was a big Braves believer and supporter going into this year. And in the current state, I still think the Braves are the best team in this division. Uh, I, I agree with Skyler. I think the Mets are probably on the outside looking in on this race at this point. Um, the Braves just got back Oscar Yanoa, who was their best starter mm-hmm. early in the season. He came back today after punching a wall, I believe was his injury. Yep. Uh, he punched yeah. something. He did do that. Um, I think that's a big addition back for the Braves. Uh, Ozzy Albies has been one of the hottest hitters since the All-Star break. Austin Riley, Danzy Swanson, as Skyler mentioned. Uh, Duvall, who has actually been a great addition coming back from Miami. I believe he hit his 27th home race day, putting up good power numbers. So at this point in time, I'd still take the Braves to win this division and stay consistent with where I was at the beginning. But I think the Phillies and Braves are going to be a really good race down the stretch. Yeah, I don't. I think the Mets are the team that's kind of the odd man out here, uh, just with how they've played recently, how their games are going now, because they have they have the Giants right now. They have the Dodgers this weekend, and then they have the Giants again 
next week. So, I mean, you take that stretch against the two best teams in baseball and you're probably not going to find yourself in a favorable spot. But then when we look at the, where the Phillies are playing and uh, let's go over, I'm going to go over some of the, the Phillies games that they have the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have three against the Diamondbacks right now. Uh, next weekend, they have four against the Diamondbacks. After that, they play the Nationals. After that, they play the Marlins. They have a series against the Brewers, uh, which is a tough series, obviously. And then they play the Rockies, then the Cubs, and then big series against the Mets. But after that, they get a little insurance with the three games against the Orioles and then four games against the Pirates. I was going to say, they just got back from their West Coast trip. And, well, I, I guess they're not back, but they had the, you know, the big three in the West Coast, and now they're playing Arizona a bunch of times. Uh, that's, they, that's, that's good for Philly. They're in a good spot right now as far as it goes. I, I haven't looked really deep into Atlanta's schedule yet, but if I had to say anything right now, I'm sticking with my pick from last week, and that's Philadelphia. Now let's go on to the rivalry. It's always fun to talk about mm-hmm. Red Sox and Yankees. We talked about them earlier this year uh, in a previous episode. Uh, I think this was when the, the Yankees were around 500 prior to the All-Star break. Uh, Red Sox were surging. I think they're the top team in the in the division, if not like right there with uh, Tampa Bay. Red Sox have slowed down. Uh, Yankees have obviously heated up. Uh, they're playing a doubleheader right now. Yankees won the first one. And if the Yankees win the second one, which they are winning right now, that would mean that they they have a virtual tie as far as uh, standings go. We talked about who's going to end up on top uh, in June. Who's going to end up on top now, you think? So last week I said I'm not too worried about Boston because they have a bunch of guys coming back, right? But how many times have we done this this year? Waited for guys to come back, and they never come back. You know, obviously uh, I mean, they Severino, are back. Schwarber yeah. is back and so is Sale, well, but you I know, mean, back to we can't have air quotes in an audio only podcast. I know. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Back to uh, to the streaks they were on before they got hurt. You know, um, and obviously Severino, we just found out is probably not coming back to the Yankees. But it's really hard for me not to roll with the Yankees right now. Uh, the lineup is just ridiculous, and guys are coming back. Gary Sanchez coming back soon. Uh, really sad about Clint Frazier. He might have to retire. Uh, but other than that, I'm rolling with the Yankees. Baseball, I mean, we, we've seen it all year. I mean, we're A's fans. We we know baseball is a game of stretches. The A's will go hot. They'll go cold. That's kind of how the A's are. Uh, right now, the Red Sox are no doubt in a cold spell. But I have to believe at some point those bats are going to get rolling again. There's too many good bats in that lineup not to put up consistent runs again at some point this season. Chris Sale, I think, is the biggest addition for either of these teams. I mean, that's that's an ace. You're adding an ace to a rotation. He probably is not as good as Garrett Cole, but it doesn't matter. The Red Sox need someone at the top of that rotation to solidify it. I, I'm more partial to believe uh, the Yankees will cool down again at some point. Their bats are a little less consistent, a lot of swing and miss. Right now, their big guys are rolling. Stan's hitting over 300 over the past like week. Judge is obviously going off. Uh, Gallo's doing what Gallo does. So, in my opinion, the Red Sox are a more consistent team and will regain maybe not the form they were early this season, but a little more consistency. And I think they'll be better than the Yankees down the stretch. But once again, I think it's going to be a really close race. But I'm taking the Red Sox right now. I feel like what's happening now, like the, the stretch with the Red Sox and the stretch with the Yankees, 
they're turning away from stretches, but more into two different seasons uh, with the two teams. I mean, the Red Sox have had like a kind of uh, up and down season this whole year with going back back and forth with the Rays, but they've been on a cold streak now for pretty much since the All-Star break. And the Yankees have been extremely hot ever since that All-Star break, since they made the moves for Gallo and Rizzo and I guess Andrew Heaney, if you want to throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh I got to go with the Yankees. I think last time, even though the Yankees were like seven games down, I said the safe pick was to go with the Yankees because the Yankees are going to heat up eventually. We just don't know when. And that time is now. I mean, they've been playing great baseball. And when they get hot in New York, I mean, when you're playing in the Bronx and that whole that whole crowd is going crazy and they're just being stupid, uh, it's very tough to play there. And it's very favorable atmosphere for the Yankees. And so – I, I got to say the Yankees end up on top and, and get a wild card spot, but no one's taking down the race in that division. Should be fun. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get to halftime, let's do our weekly awards mm-hmm. because we do those every week. Uh, yeah. Skyler, who is your player of the week? So guys, I have uh, an immaculate sports first, mm. a trifecta, Ooh. one player winning all three. I am officially renaming this accolade this feat to the Tyler Gilbert award winning all three, the player, the pitcher and the rookie of the week in the same episode. It's like a no hit in the Padres five K's in his first career start. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. But obviously it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was fun to watch that last line drive uh, by Tommy Pham. that was caught by mm-hmm. Tom Marte. I actually had an expected batting average of seven fifty on it. So, uh, <laughs> It's a little bit of luck going into that one, but nonetheless, that every no hitter has luck. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with Matt Chapman. I mean, we've seen this dude struggle all year, and over the past week, he's hitting 474 with a 615 on base percentage, including a game where he walked an Oakland A's tour, tied an Oakland A's record five times, four bombs, six RBIs. Kyle mentioned it earlier. It's great to see this guy get rolling. He's not going to stay at this clip, but even if he's, you know, somewhat close to this it's going to be great for the a's going down the stretch yeah i'm not going to go with gilbert because i didn't <laughs> want to be uh i don't even know what to call it you didn't want to be historic shut up <laughs> uh i'm going with chappy here he's my guy so i have to choose him nine for 19 as i said in the opener four home runs and a 1700 ops this uh past week a crazy week for him a time where he only struck out six times in a week I mean, that's a lot for most people, but it's not a lot for Chappie. Uh, now that's, on to Pitcher of the fair. Week, and I'm skipping Skyler because yeah. he already talked about Tyler Gilbert, and I think Brett is it, it's taking Gilbert. Tyler Gilbert. Yeah. yeah, I'm going with Tyler Gilbert as well. Rookie of the Week, Skyler had Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Brett, you have Gilbert. I'm I have Gilbert, but I also had an honorable mention. Oh. I did too. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. if Is it another pitcher? No. Okay, I have a pitcher. I want Tristan – McKenzie, who's still technically yeah, a rookie, awesome. uh, eight innings pitch, no runs, 10 strikeouts, I believe. I, I don't remember who it was against, but I know it was a great outing. That's so right. I'm giving him my honorable mention. I want to shout someone out, too, before you, Kyle. Uh, Lucas, mm-hmm. they're, they're pronouncing it Eel. It's oh, J-I-L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the Yankees started. He was starter, my rookie of the week last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has had uh, three straight scoreless outings to start off his career. He hasn't yeah. given up a run yet. Uh, he's an electric uh, I'm going with the man on the other side of the rivalry for my rookie of the, or I wouldn't say my rookie of the week is Gilbert, but my honorable mention is Bobby yeah. Dahlbeck, who mm-hmm. was eight for 17 this past week with three home runs and 11 RBIs. 
he was electric from the bottom half of the Red Sox order because that's where they hit him. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck is a, is a very interesting player, a lot of power, but hasn't really shown that power too often or mm. as much as we expected uh, since he came up last year. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's an, a sign for them in the future and what he's going to do. But let's get to halftime now, shall we? All right. All right. It's the Raider Jet Niner report. We got it all. Skyler, do you want to go first with the, the I almost said Niner report, the Jet report? <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, Zach Wilson's pro debut. He's calm, cool, collected. He's zipping the ball. Gets comparisons to Dan Marino, which I'm not going to say, you know, it's, Yo. <laughs> it, it, it's purely mechanical comparisons. You know, I'm not going to go out here and say this guy's a Hall of Famer after one game, but it's nice to see, you know, uh, Hamsa Nashville Dean, the rookie converted safety into a linebacker, had a forced fumble on the goal line. It's great. Uh, you know, this week we're headed into Green Bay. Uh, not a lot of starters are going to be playing, but they're doing in-house practices against each other. So uh, we're going to see some great matchups. Jair Alexander versus Corey Davis. That's, I think, even Mackay Becton versus Zadarius Smith. It's going to be more interesting than the game, I think, but it's going to be cool to see how, uh, how the young dudes stack up if they compete at all against the Packers. Uh, for the Niners side of things, I actually had the opportunity to go to the mm-hmm. Niners game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Got to see Mahomes, even though it was only for one series. Still pretty cool. Um, but as for the Niners side of things, I think all people really care about is Trey Lance. And while the final stat line wasn't the most impressive, I believe it was five for 14 uh, with 120 yards, one touchdown, uh, no interceptions. I, I believe he played better than what the stat line really showed, especially completion percentage wise. Uh, Niners wide receivers had four drops. Pretty much all of them were in big spots. Brandon Ayuk, probably our best receiver, dropped Trey Lance's first career pass. Uh, would have been, I believe, a 15-yard gain. I think two other first downs were dropped. Uh, there's a crazy amount of arm talent. Trey Lance, you saw with the 54-yard touchdown rolling out to his left, threw back across his body at Trent Sherfield, 54 yards downfield, ended up being an 80-yard score. Um, there's a lot to like. He definitely, the two-minute drill in particular, needed a lot of work from Trey Lance. There was, he got rushed, uh, made a couple of poor decisions. One of them should have resulted in a pick. Um, as far as other guys, the notable Hufanga safety we drafted out of USC, he was everywhere on the field. The other young DBs, Ambry Thomas and Lenore, both played really well. Ambry Thomas had a couple one on ones against Tyreek Hill in the first couple series, looked very good. And Lenore had a pick. Um, we didn't see the starting offensive line for the most part, that was very scary. The second offensive line unit sucked. But there was a lot to like from the Niners, but definitely a lot to improve on. Thank you, Brett. Yup. Uh, the Raider game was, I mean, we won 20 to seven, but it was like very boring, except for one play uh, when Nate Hobbs had a, what should have been a strip sack, but was ruled uh, that, you know, Smith was down uh, fifth round corner out of Shades Illinois. of another play in Raider history. We're not comparing postseason to <laughs> preseason week one. Uh, but I guess you got to celebrate wins, like Skyler said. Uh, but the 20 to 7 win, I feel like the most notable thing that happened was Nathan Peterman throwing 39 passes in a preseason game. I thought that was kind of crazy because uh, we only played him 
Case Cookis was uh, another QB that I thought would have played, but he got cut uh, the next day. So the three quarterbacks on the roster are Carr, Mariota, and Peterman, which I'm fine with, obviously. Um, it's cool to see fans in Allegiant. Obviously, that stadium is the best stadium in football, without a doubt. Uh, so that's awesome to see. And then what else even happened? Uh, six oh, starters played throughout the, the offense and defense. It was Leatherwood, uh, Andre James, or Nick. I mean, well, we started Andre James at, at center, but Nick Martin might start week one. Who knows? And then uh, a couple starters on defense, like the young guys like Garnett, uh, who I actually don't think is a starter. Uh, Abram, Tanner Muse, who's listed as a starter, but probably won't be a starter come week one. And one other guy, I'm not sure who that was. I forget. It's uh, all but right. it was a very, very small game. I mean, I didn't really prepare anything for this because it wasn't even like much didn't happen at all. Yeah. Let's go all right. talk about Easton versus Ellinger. Yeah. So anyways, there's there's two interesting quarterback battles going on right now. First, I want to start a, start talk about uh, the Colts quarterback situation obviously Carson Wentz is out right now it's going to be Jacob Eason versus Sam Ellinger you know Jacob Eason you could say is a safer pick he's had a year in the system he's got a big arm or Sam Ellinger who is kind of Taysom Hillish likes to run around and make some crazy plays uh honestly I I think they're going to go with Ellinger here uh which is going to be interesting I don't think it's the choice I would make but it's going to be the most exciting choice for sure. Is there Any a comments? timetable on uh, Wentz's return? They said, I, I think, clue. five to 12 weeks. So he's definitely – I mean, if I were the Colts, I think I'd go with Eason. I think, mm-hmm. like Skyler said, I think it's just a safer choice for a team that has higher playoff aspirations. I mean, mm-hmm. if Eason sucks, you still have Ellinger. You can make a quick swap if you want it, even after like a week or two. Uh, before Wentz gets back and takes yeah. back that role. But I, I think I'd go with, even though it's only one year in the system, I think that one year is valuable. I think I'd probably go with Eason. Yeah. All right. And uh, the other interesting one I want to talk about is the Saints. It's Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill. Both played in the first preseason game. Both didn't do very well. They turned the ball over like crazy. Um, I think Jameis is going to get the start because he's had, even though it was 30-30, he's had a year where he started and had 30 passing touchdowns. What I Mm -hmm. think they should do, and I I know it sounds crazy, but Sean Payton would be the one guy to pull it off, the dual quarterback system. Switching in and out based on uh, whatever, based on what kind of defense they're getting, based on what's happening in the game. Is it even possible to have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time? Because I know there's some hill, yeah. Yeah, but don't you have to like (laughs) – Oh yeah, that's true. But he can't, there's like certain rules with like the helmets that they can wear and stuff. Cause he can't yeah. have like the, the coaches talking to him in his ears. Uh, I mean, to, like to really do the dual quarterback system and have to be kind of series by series. Cause you can, like yeah. you said, you can switch those helmets, but yeah. I mean, you can have, you know, Taysom Hill lined up in the backfield on a relatively consistent basis with Winston mm-hmm. still out there. And, you know, you can do some tricky stuff, but as far as like, who's actually going to play quarterback. It would have yeah. to be like series by series. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. That's, think, that's what yeah, I mean. I don't think it's a bad idea yeah. at all. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's very hard to game plan against that having to prepare for two completely different styles. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Heisman package would work 
24 seven, like Baltimore does sometimes. I mean, like you say, maybe a series, maybe a quarter, maybe a half. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like we should shed light on one more QB battle that sure. actually seems it seems like it's very, very close right now. And that's the Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater yeah. battle in Denver. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of care because we play the Broncos twice a year. But uh-huh. I think the differences between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater is Teddy Bridgewater is a safer player, but he might be his like ceiling is a little bit lower. Then uh, Drew Locke, I think Drew Locke is a very risky player, but his ceiling is a lot higher than Teddy sure. Bridgewater. So, I mean, they can make the decisions they want. I just, I'll just be happy if we beat them twice. Yeah, again. and uh, so I don't think Denver even is close to making a decision. They had Bridgewater play the first half of their last preseason game. They're going to do the opposite with uh, Locke this next week. Um, I think it's probably a good idea to start Bridgewater week one. But... If I know, you know, Locke's probably not their guy if they're bringing in Bridgewater, but if Locke is, for whatever reason, their guy, he should be getting the first team snaps, right? He's a young guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I think like it's it's a rookie thing either. Like he yeah. has been in the, on the team for two years. So if you bench him, uh, I mean, like don't start him week one. I feel like it's viewed more as a benching rather than yeah. like, oh, wait a little bit and then we'll put you in. Mm-hmm. I think. Having watched both these guys the past couple of years, I think Bridgewater is the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's as flashy as Drew Locke can be, but I think he is the better quarterback. However, knowing John Elway, because I think John Elway actually does have a lot of say in this, I think Drew Locke will get to start week one. I don't think they're quite ready to give up on him yet, no matter what they say about the competition. Uh, Drew Locke did start that first game. He played against the Vikings, threw very well, I think five of seven for two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um to me, it, it just – I don't think they're quite ready to give up on him yet. And I think if they were, he would have been gone and they would have drafted a quarterback this year. Yeah. All right. So uh, one more piece of NFL news. Well, actually, uh, for now, one piece of NFL news. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are 100% vaccinated. This is interesting because I – As far I, as players go. As far, yes, know, as far as players, players go. Yeah, um, which is interesting because I've been hearing that some free agents – aren't getting, you know, the money that they deserve or want or would have gotten because they're not vaccinated. It's interesting. KJ Wright is vaccinated. That is interesting. He's, a, he's the number one guy in free agency right now, obviously, because yeah. he's been an all pro multiple times and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's public, definitely not public information, but uh, yeah. I don't know if that's been the thing that's been going around the league. KJ mm-hmm. ain't got the shot. Yeah, but I mean, even for the Falcons too, so many teams had uh, issues with not having full rosters because of COVID, obviously, mm-hmm. last year. And obviously, the vaccination isn't 100% going to stop COVID from spreading, but it helps. It helps. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. And I had uh, Tyler Gilbert written in here for the next segment, but we pretty much covered that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great performance. Amazing. Uh, so we'll move on to the next MLB topic Field of Dreams. Game amazing. Was exciting. The game was amazing. It was mm. the best regular season game as far as ratings go since 2005. Uh, I wish we heard Joe Buck say back at the corn and it's gone. But uh, <laughs> he did say back at the wall and into the corn, uh, which is good enough. So I'll give him that. And Tim Anderson was definitely good enough on that night. Uh, that, that's going to be an iconic moment. That's uh, going to be a staple of his career. Uh, unless he does like some crazy shit in like the World Series or something like that. Uh, yeah. For a long, long time. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, ratings were so good that they immediately signed a contract. Uh, mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs, Cincinnati Reds, Field of Dreams 2022. Should be Smart. exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we going to see a team in Iowa? <laughs> I imagine. No. no. That'd be no. hilarious. Uh, imagine getting I think, <laughs> that will never I think it's hilarious that the game that provided the most, the best ratings that the MLB has had in a regular season game in 16 yeah. years was a game in Iowa. And Iowa gets blacked out on MLB TV and, you know, uh, ESPN games too. 20% of the league. Like it's, it's stupid. Yeah. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, that I, wraps up the, uh, oh, sorry. I'm, I believe, sorry, Scott, I think you were telling me, weren't the tickets like the third most expensive tickets? They were like, it's something like that. In the past like 20 years or something, mm-hmm. like literally besides the World Series games. I think that's crazy as well. Yeah. But all right. So uh, college football starting soon, guys, two weeks from mm-hmm. now. Um, True. And the preseason AP top 25 came out. And it was really interesting because this is the first time in a while a preseason has been so up in the air. Uh, you know, five different teams got first place votes. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll run through those teams and they were ranked in the top five. I haven't looked at this at all either, so I don't even know. I mean, I have a feeling who's number one, but I don't, I don't know. So it's Alabama at number one, pretty Mm -hmm. much what you expected. Oklahoma, then Clemson, then Ohio state, then Georgia. Solid. It's interesting. Pac-12 teams on there? Um, Pac-12, Oregon's 11, USC's 15, uh, Washington's 20, uh, Utah's 24, and Arizona State's 25. So they're getting That's some love. A lot early. of teams, Sam. Yeah. Uh-huh. You usually see like the, you know, Utah, Arizona State's ranked at the bottom around week six. You know, it's interesting to see them high up now. Uh, the highest uh, group of five team on here is going to be Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Like we expected. As expected. Desmond Ritter, very good quarterback, uh, Mm -hmm. actually beat Tulsa and Zayvon Collins last year. Uh, So that did happen. Yeah. And Coastal Carolina is ranked 22. It's going to be interesting watching them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Man, their young quarterback, Grayson. I know he's just a sophomore, but but we could have another Trey Lance situation here. It's true. Uh, (laughs) Another thing. Are you done with that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, so we got the first 59 players of the NFL Top 100, or maybe the 60 players, I don't know. But they revealed 41 41 through 100. Uh, I'm not going to go over every single player, but I'll go over the notables. At 100, we had James Robinson, Jacksonville running back. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Trey White uh, got 95. I think we all know that he – didn't deserve that. He should have been quite a bit higher. Skyler's newest wide receiver, Corey Davis, got yeah. number 91. Maybe not the newest wide receiver, but one of the newer wide receivers mm-hmm. on the Jets. Is, this is going to be his first season. Jesse Bates got 90. I Disrespect. Don't think we like that one because Jesse Bates is very, very good. Very, very underrated. Just like that one. Marshawn Lattimore was higher, and he got 86. I think we all kind of agree that Marshawn Lattimore is pretty poo, except for his yeah. Madden cards. Tannehill was 83. Uh, Tyler Lockett, 76. Baker Mayfield, 71. I'm not feeling that one too much. Michael Thomas, 72, but that's more because he was injured last year. So yep. there's a lot of guys yeah. that are on this list that were injured last year. So their 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 rating is definitely skewed from what it would have been. George Kittle, yeah. 
Josh Jacobs, 68. Uh, I'm fine with that. KJ Wright was 67. I believe he's probably going to be the only free agent on this list. JJ Watt, 66. Chase Young, 61. Uh, we got Jason Pierre Paul at 59. Justin Herbert at 56. Justin Jefferson at 53. A lot of rookies. It's true. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick at 52. I think he definitely should have been a little bit higher than that, quite a bit higher. Uh, Kittle at 50, which is understandable because he was hurt. Um, Stephon Gilmore at 47. Justin Simmons at 45. Christian McCaffrey at 44. Trent Williams at 42. Jair Alexander at 41. Uh, I don't know when they're going to do the rest of this. Usually they, they trickle out the rest of the weeks before the season starts, uh, but it should be interesting. I mean, I think the only Raider that's going to be on there the rest of the way is Waller. So I'm curious where they're going to put him because I don't remember where they put him last year, but I'm assuming it was pretty high. So we'll see how that goes. Any thoughts for you guys? Well, uh, no, I just want to say shout out Kyle Juszczyk, only fullback on the list, 96. Shout out Corey Davis, only Jed on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's going to do it for halftime. We'll get back to you guys here soon with the the second second half. half. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the second half. We had a little break there to see what's going on with Chris as well as Brett wanted to go get some food. So uh, he has food now. Yes, thumbs up in our in our Zoom, but you guys can't see that, obviously. Mm-hmm. So Athletics PR tweeted out uh, about 40 minutes ago saying that Chris Bassett is conscious and aware and is on his way to the hospital. We will provide additional information when possible. Uh, so, yeah, still same stuff that we kind of already knew. I mean, it looked like Chris was obviously uh, conscious the whole time, and it seemed like he was aware because he was able to stand up and get onto the golf cart or whatever it was that they took him on and uh was there the whole time and and not passed out which i probably assume is a good sign because you don't want him to be passed out there uh so obviously we're not we're not going to be posting everything uh minute by minute on what's going on with chris so there's people if you want to know more go to athletics pr on twitter or matt karihara or martin gallegos or honestly probably whoever the big mlb writer they should be posting about chris bassett quite a bit because that is one of the main stories, not only in baseball, but in sports uh, as, as we were talking right now, mm-hmm. but on to a lighter note, we're talking about football in the second half. Uh, and we're checking NFL Twitter. NFL Twitter is always a fun one. Uh, sometimes it's a little ruthless with what they say about people, but we're going to got six different tweets. We're going to talk about overreactions or not an overreaction uh, what are your thoughts on it? And uh, is this guy onto something or is he just a crack addict? First one, this is a two-parter. So there is the first one. Tua has no arm. I think he's out of the NFL in two years. Together, what do you think? I think this is a slight overreaction. I don't think he'll be out of the league, but, you know, he was compared to Drew Brees, who also, you could say, didn't have an arm. He just mm-hmm. was smarter than everybody. Uh, so I don't think he'll be out of the league, but I, I mean, maybe not crazy. Maybe not crazy. Um, I don't think Tua is going to be a star by any means. I, I don't I don't think he has the greatest arm. But to say he's out of the league in two years, I think, I think is overdoing it. Mm-hmm. I could see him as a backup in only two years, even though I don't think that will happen. I think he'll remain a starter, but I don't think Tua is ever going to be anything crazy or special mm-hmm. uh, throughout 
at any point in his career. So overreaction, but I kind of see where he's coming from, I guess. That tweet did have 20 comments on it and only 17 likes. Uh, but <laughs> I do think that Tua is not going to be that good. I think he has the potential to be good Agreed. if he does have his arm strength up to a little bit. But I, as Skyler said, Drew Brees is a person and how his whole career was and how his arm strength was, was not there that whole time. Uh, backup in two years definitely is a more realistic answer than being out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, even Josh Rosen, who hasn't really played at all, is still, I mean, as he got weighed today, he but he's still, like, in the league and he's not out of the NFL. I mean, technically, he is right now. But, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, the second part of this tweet, though, is that Tua is going to be a pro bowler this season, is what this guy said. And I think we all kind of think that is an overreaction. I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. Um, the AFC quarterbacks have been weird the past couple of years, you know, guys like Tannehill and Baker Mayfield. And obviously we're probably not going to see Deshaun Watson this year, at least not a full season. So I think there's a couple spots open and if they don't go to Burrow and Herbert, I think it's possible to, I could get a spot. Pro bowls and all-stars are always kind of weird. Cause you'll have guys, yeah. you have guys like subbing in. I mean, mm-hmm. I, th- I think Alex Smith made a couple pro bowls over straight, even though I don't think he ever really had a pro bowl type season. There was always, you know, guys that didn't play, didn't go, were in the Super Bowl, whatever. So I, I think Tua could sneak his way into a Pro Bowl, but I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a Pro Bowl that he deserves, more so a Pro Bowl that he's given just with spots being available. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of things are going to have to go right for Tua to, to be a Pro Bowler this year. So I do think that is definitely an overreaction. I mean, the only way I really see him being a Pro Bowler is if we get into the spot where the, I mean, the Dolphins have a whole bunch of turnovers like they did last year, and all those turnovers set them up in the red zone where Tua can thrive yeah, and not have turnovers. to make those, those uh, yeah. super like long and hard throws, and uh, maybe get some some slants to Devontae Parker or a little <laughs> fade to Will Fuller. Well, I also Wano. think that Will Fuller acquisition is a little interesting because Tua doesn't really throw the deep ball too often, and Will Fuller, I feel like. 50% of his catches are 30 yards downfield. I mean, just off the top of my head, like I'd probably say Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Herbert, like there's a lot of guys that put a Josh head Allen. Down. Yeah. Josh, like a lot of guys yeah. that I take over to to be my pro bowl yeah. vote this year. One of them yeah. goes to the super bowl. One of them gets hurt. One of them has a down year. Exactly. Exactly. One of them decides not to go. Cause they yeah. want to go to Cabo instead yeah, of exactly. Las Vegas. Exactly. Uh, I feel like that's so weird, though. There's a lot of Mickey Mouse uh, Pro Bowl comedies <laughs> once we get to the actual that's what game. I'm Let's get to the next tweet, though. Uh, so this is a little banter going on between Giants and Eagles fans, and that whole NFC East trash talk is very interesting because you have three, I think, shitty fan bases with the Cowboys, the Eagles, and the Giants, and then you have the Washington fans who aren't toxic. They aren't stupid. They're kind of just there. Uh, but this is between Eagles and the Giants. They're talking about James Bradbury versus Devonta Smith. Uh, and there isn't like one actual tweet here that I'm, I'm going off of, but they're like, oh, Devonta Smith's going to light up James Bradbury. Uh, and then the other guy's talking about, oh, Bradbury's going to lock up uh, Devonta Smith. Who do you think wins that matchup between those two, two players? I think James Bradbury's going to lock up the outside, but the only problem is Devonta Smith's going to play slot that game. 
So they're not going to have many interactions. I don't, I think this is just a weird, uh, weird NFC East stuff. It's like the, mm-hmm. the national league East this year. That's how they're going to be. Yeah. I, mean, I think they were last year. Yeah. I think if we see that matchup one-on-one, I'd definitely give the edge to Bradbury. Who I yeah. think is one of the most underrated players in the league, but I mean, they're going to they're going to move guys around. They might not be matched up the whole time. But if that was the one v one matchup, we're looking at a whole game. I'm definitely taking Bradbury. I agree. If I was kind of being difficult, I agree with Brett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Bradbury here as well. I love Devonta Smith. I was big on Twitter about oh Devonta Smith for Heisman and all that stuff, but he's a rookie. Uh, he'll get his time against Bradbury. But as of right now, Bradbury is going to win that that one on one quite often. Although I don't think they'll match up that option just like Skyler said all right next tweet another nfc east because that's where 95 percent of nfl twitter is at yeah make or break time for daniel jones if he can't if he can't do it with his supporting cast then he never will uh man i think they're kind of spot on here not really an overreaction or an underreaction Mm. um because especially in today's NFL, it's kind of weird if you don't start clicking after three years. Uh, but there have been guys who it takes a long time to get to get it going. You know, John Elway didn't win a ring until his 30s. You know, obviously it's a whole nother story. I'm not comparing him to John Elway, which I, I keep telling myself this, this keeps happening to me for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, if they don't win this division, it's there's definitely some uh, reevaluating to do. Mm-hmm. Were Drew Locke and Jones the same draft? I believe Locke. They should be. I think they should be. Yeah. I believe they are. And I think yeah. both those guys are like kind of on the same time period here. I think this is probably their last chance. Uh, Locke might not even get a full season. I think Jones will get a full season just because mm-hmm. there's no one really pushing him. Like Bridgewater is Locke. The biggest thing for Daniel Jones is hopefully he has a healthy Saquon all year, which I think will help. Having a more established run game always helps younger quarterbacks. I mean, he has Galladay now. He has weapons around him, solid defense. I, I don't know if he needs to win the division to keep the job, but he definitely needs to show improvement from the past couple years. I would love to see him use his legs more. I think that's a weapon he doesn't use as much as he should. That's the only thing he did well against the Niners when I got to see him. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think it's make or break time though. And I, this is probably his last shot. Yeah. I think that's actually a very fair tweet uh, with mm-hmm. what this guy was saying. I think it is definitely that make or break time uh, because I mean, you can have four years if you're in a spot like Jacksonville or maybe five, but if you have three years in New York and you're, and you're not getting it done, your time is done. I mean, we kind of saw that of Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did he have three or four years with the Jets? I think three. He had three. Yeah. yeah, so he had his three years, didn't work out, he was gone. And Daniel Jones is a very Sam Darnold-esque player in the way that they have flashes of like, oh shit, this guy can this guy's a beast. But a majority of the time, it's just like, really, dude, like you're you're not making the right play here. Your decision making's a little messed up. So I do think it is that make or break time for Daniel Jones. If I had to go personally, based off of who is gonna do you guys hear the dogs barking? <laughs> yeah, it's okay That's though. So I, I had a train go by. It's fine. Yeah, I don't know why it's going on. Uh, but I completely lost my train of thought. Daniel I Jones. Think, yeah, Daniel Jones on the uh, spot. New York. <laughs> I think he doesn't 
make it this year and he's gone next year. Yeah. Giants have a new QB starting of next I year. I actually, during the draft, I thought the Giants were going to take Justin Fields. I believe they had the 10th pick. Mm-hmm. I, I thought they were going to take Fields and Fields was going to push Jones to start week one. I, yeah, I thought that was a great direction crazy. for the Giants. But Yeah. All right, on to our next tweet. And this one is about Zach Wilson. It oh says, fun fact, Zach Wilson was six for nine with 63 yards and zero touchdowns. Darnold was 13 for 18 with 96 yards and a touchdown. This is talking about his first preseason game, obviously. I don't want to hear about this Zach Wilson hype. So this one is kind of attacking uh, all the people that are like going crazy for quarterbacks uh, after week one in the preseason. Is it legitimate? like hype around people like should we be giving hype to these rookies that are playing well in their first game or should we kind of play it off to the side because these games don't actually mean anything the problem with this tweet is that this guy obviously didn't watch the game he's just looking at the box score you know I, I might have some bias here but uh when zach wilson was in the game he was really calm a complete polar opposite of how sam darnold played the game of football you know sam darnold played paranoid um, he got rid of the ball really quick. He didn't take any sacks. He didn't even have to throw the ball away. Really. It, it was schemed around him. And, uh, you know, the, these guys are exciting. This is going to be a great draft class from quarterbacks. And, uh, I think it's well-deserved and, uh, you know, Brett, will tell you his side when we get to the Trey Lance stuff. Uh, but uh, I think people just need to calm down. Um, can you repeat the tweet one more time? Sorry. It says, fun fact, Wilson was six for nine with 63 yards and zero touchdowns. Darnold was 13 for 18 with 96 yards and a touchdown. I don't want to hear about this Zach Wilson hype. So I kind of, I mean, it's it a tweet all about the yeah. Jets, but I kind of made it into like a pure mm-hmm. NFL question. No, so that's, okay. So I, I'm actually in the exact same boat as Skyler. Skyler's always preached, I, I know in here, and to us, box score doesn't <laughs> matter i'm sure i mean I should, it can, it, it can, it more it can matter it can it can but the film you know watch highlights don't matter as much as box starts so mm-hmm. watching the film i'm going to take the trey lance approach to this i think trey lance way outplayed his box score um you have to look at what the guy did good and there's obviously things trey lance and i'm sure zach wilson did wrong that fans would like to see improved sure. but as a fan of that team you're looking for potential, things you saw well, things. In my opinion, I was looking for things that Jimmy Garoppolo can't do. And I saw a lot of that with Trey Lance, and that's that's exciting. I think it's very valid to be excited about, especially young quarterbacks, because mm-hmm. quarterbacks are, you know, the position that kind of makes everything go. So I think, I mean, I, I don't remember Darnold's first game, but I, I saw Wilson's, and I think there's a lot to be excited about. I, I don't know if comparing them is necessarily the right thing to do, but I I think you look at what Wilson does good, what he can improve on, and you as a Jets fan, you can come away excited with, from that. And I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think what you got to do as far as – I mean, if the QB performs bad in his first preseason game, it's obviously not a good thing. But, the, yeah. I mean, that can mean – if you want to look at the positive side, it just means that they're really, really raw. And, I mean, maybe they have the, they have the raw traits – but they can't put it together yet at all. But if you're performing bad against people that you're playing in the first preseason game, I definitely think that is a big red flag. But if you're playing good, I think, yeah, that, that definitely makes it positive. But you can't be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be fucking sub like yeah. already. Like it, you got to I mean, they are playing against NFL players, but those NFL players 
are not nearly as good as the starters mm. on, on every single team. So yeah, you can be hyped for certain things like, uh, as far as like mental reads and yeah. certain throws, but as far as like hitting an open man, sometimes like, and depending on who your receivers are and stuff like that, like you got to take it with a grain of salt because if yeah. chances are the guys that they're throwing to in those games aren't going to be the guys that they're throwing to in actual games. And the guys that they're playing against aren't going to be the guys that they're playing against in actual games as well. I mean, on, on that point, I saw, I mean, Trey Lance at the 80 yard touchdown. And I think all of 49ers fans were ready to name him the starter. Like I saw a poll after the game and said, who should start week one? And I believe Trey Lance had 82% of the votes to Jimmy Garoppolo's 18. And that's an overreaction. Mm-hmm. I, I think Jimmy right now is the better quarterback, but you know, fans get excited and they see the young guy. But I, I think you, like, you have to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. All right. So this next tweet, I think, will not make Brett too happy. Because uh, <laughs> this guy was comparing Trey Lance to Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know if that's just because of like where they were picked as far as in uh, the draft order or as far as the colleges and teams that they're playing or whatever. Because, I mean, they went to completely different schools. Uh, this had no comments, no likes, so we'll just go raw off of here. Yeah. His takeaway, his 80-yard pass, he went 4 for 13 with 48 yards. It's obviously, talk, obviously talking about Lance. Mitchell Trubisky had twice more passing attempts at UNC than Lance did, and Mitch was actually playing with and against talent in college. Hot take, Trey Lance will be an average QB with elite physical tools at least eight weeks before he starts at, at all. Or starts if at all. Go ahead, Brett. Uh, first of all, the eight weeks to start, I wouldn't mind that at all. That means Jimmy's probably doing at least decent. I wouldn't mind if Lance didn't start at all this year. If Lance doesn't play this year, that means the 49ers are doing good because mm-hmm. they're not going to take, you know, they're not going to replace Jimmy if he's leading a team to, you know, five, six loss season. I just don't see that happening. I believe Shannon trusts Jimmy. But as far as the comparison to Trubisky, I Trubisky, he, he never seemed to have that it factor to me. I know the it factor is not really a thing. I mean, it's it's more of a thing you like think of. I, I think Lance has mm-hmm. that more. Um, and as far as stats, the, he brought up the stats. This is one where I don't think the box score was – uh, fully representative of how Trey Lance played. Trey Lance played a better than four for 13 games minus the 80 yard pass. I mentioned earlier, there was four dropped passes by 49ers wide receivers. And if you added those four, if those four were enough catches, he's nine for 15, which wasn't great. Uh, there was a dropped interception. So you had to account that too, which was a bad read on Trey Lance's part. He wasn't great in the two minute drill, but if you added the four catches that should have been made, he was averaging over 10 yards per attempt I think that's great from a rookie quarterback. He's not afraid to move the ball down the field. He did show great physical athletic tools. If he does end up like Mitch Trubisky, that sucks. But I, I think he's going to be better than Mitch Trubisky. I don't I think he has a little more flair. And I think he has Kyle Shanahan, which I think is big. Kyle Shanahan makes everything easier, especially for a rookie quarterback. Mitch Trubisky was not given the opportunity to have a Kyle Shanahan around him. All right. Uh, that's obviously hard to follow because you yeah. were at the game. 
Uh, yeah, but rightfully, I, rightfully so. I don't disagree with you. I think what happened here is this is just a lazy ass tweet because ESPN put something out that Trubisky and Lance started the same amount of games in college. Uh, they're not the same player whatsoever. Uh, do I need to say any more? No. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, I definitely, th- I, I agree with Brett's uh, thing about the it factor, even though the it factor isn't like a legitimate thing. It's something you can kind of just see in a player in, in their highlight tapes and like what they do. Like, I think Trubisky doesn't have that it factor. I don't think Tua has that it factor. I, I never thought Daniel Jones has that it factor. Uh, but guys like Kyler Murray have it. Trey Lance have it. Mahomes. Mahomes has yeah. it. Deshaun Watson obviously had it coming out of college. And maybe that has to do a little bit with like how you played in college and like how your team was in general. I mean, but then again, maybe not because two is on a very good team. And yeah, it's still sometimes like, oh, this guy really doesn't have it. I mean, I think I think Tua had the fa- it factor going into college. I think he was really like when I saw him play the first time, I, I knew about him in, in the game against Georgia in the national championship game. And I'm like, this kid's going to be a stud. But once I got to the NFL, you can't just see him over that, that time. Obviously, I didn't watch his high school tapes like uh-huh. religiously, but I saw him play just about every single uh, college game that he did because Alabama is obviously nationally broadcast everywhere you go. And it's like you could see over time that Tua just didn't make the exact plays that you would see from a guy like Justin Herbert or, or Trey Lance. And he had the supporting cast of – like a, I don't, I don't even know what to describe it. Like he had mm-hmm. all NFL players, like all over his whole team that year. So I think Trey Lance will definitely be better than yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, but I, I mean, I honestly don't care when they start him. I think it'd be best for, for uh, Lance and Jimmy if they wait a little bit, but I don't know if they start getting in a route where they somehow go one and three with their schedule to start. Uh, then they will definitely be on to Lance. Yeah, I know this is off topic of uh, Trey Lance, but you know that it factor you were talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw the Alabama Clemson game, the national championship mm-hmm. game. I was there. Yeah. Uh, Tua sucked. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is the perfect prospect everyone thinks he is, but he's still got it. Yeah, he still has the it factor. You know, and that's that concludes. Or it factor segment. Joe Burrow has the it factor. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. All right. On to our last tweet where we have uh Raider one because we had a jet one, we had another one, so I feel yeah. obligated or wanting to put it in Raider one. You are uh, so this one was about Derek Carr. Derek Carr addressed the fans uh prior to the game uh, a couple hours before the game on, on Saturday. And he said, uh, we went two and six in this building because y'all weren't here last year, uh, referring to the Raiders not having any fans and not having really any home advantage. And then this guy, uh, quote, retweeted it saying they went two and six because Derek Carr was there. (laughs) Yeah. um, Listen, I know you don't want to hear this, Kyle, but Derek Carr is not the guy to take you to the promised land. Um, He's not a perfect player. You know, he's a, a fringe pro bowler at best, like uh, with the, you know, the uh, two situation when some guys don't show up. But let me tell you something. He's an above average quarterback in this league and anyone else in this Raider system. OK, I won't say anyone else, anyone uh, near his, uh, I would say below his value. 
um, was struggle so bad. You know, people are upset at the Raiders. Maybe even Kyle is upset that they don't win more than nine games, you know, other than the 12 and four season, of course, mm-hmm. the seven, eight, nine win range missing the playoffs by a game is usually been the Derek Carr range. But uh, I think they're not even close to that without him with a Mariota in that system. They're not even close. Um, I, I think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback and I think he's an even better clubhouse guy. Not that that really has anything to do with it, but yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what I want to say. I, I don't think, I think Skyler's right in the sense that if you give in the Raiders, anyone like below that level, I think the Raiders are a pretty awful team because the Raiders had one of the best offenses in the league last year. Um, mm-hmm, not yeah. many people talk about it. Darren Waller had an amazing season. The receivers weren't great, but Carr had a very good season last year. Jacobs had a good year. The problem with the Raiders is their defense. That's Mm -hmm. what it's been for years. I don't really blame Carr for that. Do I think Carr is the quarterback that can win them a Super Bowl? No, probably not. But I do think Carr is very much capable of being a playoff, uh, maybe even a win or two in the playoff caliber quarterback. But there's, there's a lot of work the Raiders need to do around him to put him in a yeah. position to do that. Because I thought mm-hmm. I think the same thing of Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Jimmy's quite as good as Carr, especially following injuries. But the Niners went to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's mm-hmm. probably a little bit worse than Carr. But they had, you know, a, a top caliber defense, a really strong running game. The Raiders are lacking that defense. And as far as the fan situation, I don't think it really matters. No one had fans. There wasn't really Yeah, I was trying to, to that. Try yeah. make it more about that dude's response than – yeah. The actual tweet itself. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I think Carr is a good quarterback. I feel like the most of Carr slander comes from Raider fans themselves. And it actually, I just want to say, Kyle, I, I kind of missed the the big. However, in my little speech, mm-hmm. I, you know what I, I was saying though. I don't think Carr's a bad quarterback. Right? Yeah. You got okay. Good. Good. Yeah. I, I so, wasn't slandering. <laughs> when you look at at last year's season, as far as uh, successful drives go. Uh, the Raiders were third, had the third highest percent in a uh, field goal or the ha- having a successful drive. It was like 40 something percent or something like that, which is very, very good. Uh, and a successful drive is basically where you score points, a field goal or a touchdown or whatever it may be. And out of the top 10 teams, the Raiders were third and they were the only top 10 team that didn't make the playoffs. And so when you look at something like that, I feel like you obviously have to point to the defense. And as a Raider fan, I mean, the defense has been atrocious for as long as I've been alive, uh, which sucks. Uh, and so if they got a good defense, I think he would definitely do a very good job there. I mean, Carr hasn't had too many games where he's gotten to the point of having a, a 10, 15 point lead uh, unless he has to score 40 points in that, that game. And I think where Carr struggles the most is in games where the Raiders are already getting beat by a lot. I mean, he's had, he's had comebacks and he's been able to keep the Raiders in a lot of games uh, over the past like four or five years or however long he's been there. As far as like games are, are 10 to 14 point games or closer uh, and getting the team back into those games and, and keeping them level there and, and trying to, I don't know, motivate the defense to, to do something on their side of the ball. But once you get into a spot where, the Raiders are down bad. Like say they go down 14, nothing in the first quarter, or they're down 20 something at halftime. Like Carr plays like terrible. He plays dog shit the rest of that game. And so whenever something bad happens from there, all the Raider fans that are pissed off, they point at 
their car because he, I guess, wasn't good that game or something like that. But every single win, like, I don't remember a win that the Raiders have over the last however many years where Derek Carr was, like, awful and he was bad. Like, he's been manageable and he's been good in every other game that whole time. So I think it's very hard to point I, I two think, and six at Carr. I think that kind of goes back to it. Like, I think Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, but he's not a quarterback that can lead you to a Super Bowl. Mm. Like um, Mahomes, when he's down, Mahomes can bring a team back into a game single-handedly. Mm-hmm. To your point, I don't know if Carr's that guy where yeah. he can do it by himself, but I think in a system, he's a very good quarterback. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's obviously hypothetical, but if Carr gets just an average defense, I'm not asking for mm. fucking top five defense in the league, but if they get a defense that is top 16 in the league it can even be that 16th spot it's a playoff i team. think they should be a playoff team yeah. without a doubt and, you know i left the defense out of my conversation kyle and i talked about this last night i knew where mm-hmm. he was going with it <laughs> yeah of course and it's, yeah yeah i mean defense has been a thing of the past in raider history uh but let's get to our bets and let's get on out of here all right no there's one more thing rookie QBs. we can go real quick <laughs> Which ones do you think will start week one? Skyler go right now on the spot. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Sam Ellinger. Um, don't think Ellinger will start. I'm trying to think of some of Trey Lance will not start. I can almost guarantee you that as a Niner fan. Wilson, I think Fields should start. Don't think mm-hmm. he will. So I agree. Off the top of my head, I think it's just just the two Skyler mentioned in the top two. Yeah, players. I don't I don't I think Mac Jones will play eventually. Not yet. Actually, yeah, Cam Newton will start. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think just the top two picks will be the starters. I'm going to, I mean, I'm not taking a, a pick on Ellinger or Easton right yeah. now because I really just don't know too much about the situation. So the three guys that I have are going to be Wilson because you guys really don't have a backup. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, because Trevor Lawrence has been this Jesus-like figure for the last eight years, it seems like. And so you kind of have to start him. And Justin Fields, because he's Justin Fields, and I think he's going to be eventually one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Is there any now, news on the uh, Houston situation before we move on? Could, uh, it's just that he's been Davis Mills. Mills, yeah. yeah. Could he it's looking like Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor. It's looking like Tyrod. Tyrod played a lot better than Davis Mills in game okay. one. But you know, it is just game one. You never know. Tyrod only threw four passes. Mills threw twenty-two. But uh, that, that's how it is right now. Well, let's get to our bets and let's get on out of here uh, because we our Zoom time is running up and we have, <laughs> might have to create another meeting. Uh, so layups last week, I got mine right. It was the Giants over the D-backs on Wednesday, and Skyler got his wrong. It was the, the Padres over the D-backs on Thursday. Freaking Darvish. One day hurt. off of the no-hitter. Uh, so there's that. Now to this week, I have the Yankees winning the series over the Twins this weekend. Yankees have been hot. Twins have been bad this whole season. Uh, there's that. And then Skyler has like a second part of that kind of a little bit in his layup. Yeah, I'm just going with the Thursday game. Yankees over Minnesota. Uh, the Yankees have been hot. Uh, Jamison Tyon starting for the Yankees, and he's been great. Uh, one of the lowest ERA since the All-Star break. Uh, I'm taking the Dodgers to finish the sweep of the Pirates. Dodgers won yesterday 2-1. to one. I don't know if this is a three- or four-game series. Personally, I don't care. It's probably the best team in baseball against possibly the worst. I'll take the Dodgers to sweep. Yeah, good bets there. I like them all. All right. Uh, let's get to the bold predictions where I had the Jays sweeping the M's in Seattle last week. The Mariners uh, won the first two games and lost the last one. The Jays had opportunities in every single one of these games to win them, and they just didn't. 
Uh, so this is a red for me. Skyler had the Raptors win the summer league. I don't know what's going on. Didn't in the happen. League, uh, it's the Kings against the Celtics, I think. But uh, anyway, know. the Raptors went no, four and one. They, had, they did have a great summer league, but they had the one loss. So not in the championship. That's tough. That's yeah. not as tough for sin. Uh, bold predictions this week. Reds sweep the Marlins. Reds have been a weird team all year, but they've been a lot uh, more consistent after their all-star break. And they are my pick for this week's bold prediction. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the Dodgers to sweep the Mets once again, just like last week. They got Bueller and Scherzer pitching two of the three games. So I'm going with a sweep. Uh, so I'm going with the Panthers and PJ Walker, who had a great preseason game last week, to snap the Ravens. I believe it's 18 game preseason winning streak wow. this week. So I, bold in the sense that the Ravens haven't lost in a long time. I don't know how much of a mismatch it is. It's preseason, but I think PJ Walker will have another good game. Sam Darnold snap the streak if he even plays. If he Man. plays, I, I don't. I don't know how it's looking, but <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I like it, actually. Uh, I like it. But that's going to do it for this episode, episode 49. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Bassett episode, I guess. Prayers up for Chris mm-hmm. Bassett. Exactly. We don't need to link to social media. You guys know where it is. It doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. Uh, prayers up for Chris. And hopefully we have some good news about him next week. And we will talk about more preseason football, uh, more playoff race. And we will see you guys then. Go Jets. Deuces.